It's okay. Okay, welcome everybody. I'm Susie Pomerantz, the founder of the Leading Coaches Center, and I am delighted that you are all here today to join us uh, for the Leading Coaches Center Mastermind Call featuring best-selling author Bob Berg, who I will introduce momentarily. Um, and we have turned off the chimes so that we don't have interruptions because we have 89 people who've signed up for this call. So. Welcome, welcome, welcome to everyone who's here. We really appreciate you for making time to join us today. And this call is going to be recorded, and we'll post it in the Leaders Clubhouse after we get the recording. And I did post a link to that on our Facebook page. So if you want to follow along um, and post questions on the Facebook page today while we're talking, I'm going to be capturing some notes while we're talking. Uh, and that's at face. If you go into Facebook, if you are at your computer, you can just um, do a search for Leading Coaches Center, and you'll see a bunch of photos of all the wonderful folks we've had, and you'll see Bob's photo as well, so you'll know you're in the right place. And um, if you need to mute yourself, you can mute and unmute yourself with a star six. And if you're in a noisy place or if you're clinking dishes or if you have a dog barking or anything like that, please go ahead and just mute anyway, and you can unmute for the interaction parts. So star six to mute and star six to unmute. Um, and again, the place to join us on Facebook during this call is at the Leading Coaches Center. You can search for that on Facebook. And let's just take a few minutes to go around and check in. So um, folks who haven't yet said, yet said hello who want to, let's do a quick little check-in. You can say your name and where you're calling from, and if there's anything that you want to say about the work that you're doing now and what you love about the work that you're doing now, let's take a few minutes to do that. So who would like to go first? Who would like to check in and say hi? Uh, this is Jim Moorhead from Washington, D.C., and I would like to say that I love Susie Pomerantz. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Glad yes, Susie. Thank you. Who else wants to check in and say hi? Don't be shy, folks. 89 folks, we can get a few more hellos in. This is Suzanne Levy calling from Boulder, Colorado. And I love Susie as well. And we are enjoying, we had 80-degree weather yesterday and a snowstorm today, so I am enjoying this beautiful part of the country. Oh, my goodness. Hi, this is Bev This is Bev Nirenberg from Baker's Yes. Go ahead. Can you hear me? I can hear you great. Okay, great. So I'm from Gatesburg, Maryland, and uh, just what, and, and Lowell Nuremberg is here as well. And I teach a self-help healing modality called Emotional Freedom Techniques that helps people get uh, relief all kinds of stressors. And I absolutely am passionate and love what I do. And I'm also passionate and in love with Susie. <laughs> You're so cute. And I know you guys are all going to be passionately in love with Bob as well when you hear what he has to say, too. <laughs> Good. So cute. Anyone else want to say hello? Hi, this is Steve Levin from the Bay Area, California. And um, I love having meaningful conversations with clients in a context of care. Excellent. Thanks. Welcome. Who else would like to check in and say hello? Hello. Hi. My name is Alex Guzman, and I'm from Arizona. And uh, I saw the link uh, that Bob put on Facebook, and I decided to join because I thought that I, I would like to learn a little bit more about coaching, and it's something that interests me. Excellent. Thanks for joining us, Alex. And I think we also had some people, I know I got some emails from folks calling in from India and from the U.K. Does anyone want to say hello from outside of the U.S.? Okay, anyone else inside the U.S. want to say hi? <laughs> hello. Hello. Susie Pomerantz and Bob Burke, two of my favorite people. Thanks for doing this. 
Yes, Susie, hi, this Excellent. is Maynard Brussman Clay from San Francisco. Wonderful, welcome. How are you? Actually, the thing that I love the most, which I think is fundamental to my whole career in life, is helping people, basically, in companies, discover the essence, the identity of who they are, the vision, mission, purpose, life. But even even deeper, really, their, 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 their identity. And that's really, I think, the, you know, becomes really the focus for, for everything, what they do and their but wherever he gets into a state of flow, they really get clarity on what's most important to them. Excellent. Thank you. Anyone else want to say hi? I'll say hey. <laughs> hey, this is Corla, and I'm from Greensboro, North Carolina, and I'm passionate about transformation, and I, I read the book first came out, and it's all about giving. Fantastic. Welcome. Okay, so just a reminder that um, if you are in a noisy place or you're hearing interference on the call, please star six to mute yourself, and then you'll star six to unmute when you want to talk. And, again, we're on the Leading Coaches Center Facebook page, so if you want to um, follow us along there, I'll be posting some notes, and you can post questions there as well, and we'll try to engage those into the call. Um, so I, let me just go ahead and introduce Bob. So first of all, um, Bob is a great friend, and I have to thank our mutual friend, Steve Dorfman, who you just heard introduce himself, for introducing Bob and I. He connected us up about three years ago, and um, I had already read The Go-Giver at that time and was so excited to meet Bob. If you have not read the book, The Go-Giver, you have to go get it now. And if you don't want to go buy it right away, go to Bob's website and download the first chapter for free. It's at it's, um, www.burg.com. Um, and but one of the things that I want to tell you about Bob is that he's really he he's one of the few people in the world who really lives from a genuine place of integrity. So this is a guy who really walks his talk. He is a real go-giver and it's it's so fabulous to meet someone who you know, they put a book out there and actually live what they say in the book. So Bob lives his message. He's a great guy. And now let me tell you all the um, credentially stuff about him. So Bob is, he's a sought-after speaker. He speaks at corporate conventions. He speaks for entrepreneurial events. He's addressed audiences everywhere from 50 to 16,000 people. And he's shared the platform with some of the most notable thought leaders today, like broadcast personalities, Olympic athletes, political leaders. He's shared the stage with a former U.S. president. Um, he was known before he co-authored The Go-Giver with John David Mann. He was best known for his book called Endless Referrals, which you might know about. Um, and The Go-Giver is a business parable. So it's really that story has really helped capture the imagination of the readers. And it's shot to number six on the Wall Street Journal business bestseller list just three weeks after its release. And it reached number nine on Business Week's bestseller list. It's been in, translated into 21 languages. And it's his fourth book to sell over 250,000 copies. Bob is also an advocate, supporter, and defender of the free enterprise system. And he believes that the amount of money we make is directly proportional to how many people we serve. And that's core messaging and theme in the Go-Giver books, as you'll hear about today. Um, and he's a founding and current board member of Club 100, which is a charitable organization focused on helping underprivileged local area youth. He loves animals. He's a past board member of directors, the, the board of directors for Safe Harbor, and that's um, the Humane Society of Jupiter, Florida, where he lives. So, Bob, welcome. So excited to have you here. Thank you for joining us today. If you knew Susie like we know Susie... You'd love her like we all do. I'm sure you've never heard anyone say that before. Never. Actually, not since I was about six. People used to say that. <laughs> Hello, my great friend. How are you? I'm fabulous. How are you? Doing great. Very, very excited to be with everyone today. Excellent. So tell us, start us off with a little overview of The Go-Giver, this fabulous parable that you wrote. And... Um, you know, let us know kind of why did you write this book and, and 
tell us a little bit about Joe and the story that happens in The Go-Giver. Sure. Well, the book itself, its a, as you had mentioned earlier, it's a business parable, a business fable. So it's actually a work of, of fiction, uh, but based on very tried and, and proven principles. It's about a, a young, up-and-coming, aggressive, ambitious, but very frustrated young businessman named Joe who who learns some, some – really learn some things that are going to help accelerate and turbocharge his, his business. More than anything, the, the major lesson he learns is that shifting is his focus, and that's really the key. Shifting his focus from getting to giving. And, and in this context, in the business context, when we say giving, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others. And that doing this is not only a, a nice way to live life, but it's a, a very financially profitable way to live life as well. Uh, and uh, the the book really came about uh, because I had a book out, as you mentioned, Endless Referrals. And, and I, you know, it was a how-to book, and it has sold very well over the years. But uh, I, I've been a, a lover of, of parables for a long time, and there's been so many great ones out there. I think the first one I read was uh, Ogmandino's Greatest Salesman in the World, and then Classen's The Richest Man in Babylon, and then the, the short-form parables uh, got popular in the 80s. There was uh, Blanchard and Johnson's One Minute Manager, and then uh, Johnson's One Minute Salesperson, and uh, there are all these other great ones, Robin Sharma's books, and Chris Widener's, and just, uh, what a great way to learn through stories, because we know that stories connect. And um, so I wanted to take the, the basic premise of endless referrals, which is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust, and put that into parable form. Now, here's the thing. You know, I, I it, it took me all of about a minute of writing it to realize that writing a business fable is a lot different from writing a how-to book. Any of us can write how-to yeah. books. I mean, we, we put down what we know. And we get a good editor to clean up, and it, it's good, you know, and that's fine. But I knew that that this book, The Go-Giver, it, it was – I knew it could be much better than what I could write it. And, and please understand, there's no false modesty there or anything. We all have certain strengths. We have certain weaknesses. As, as leadership authority John Maxwell tells us, it's great to work outside of our uh, comfort zone, but not necessarily as good to work outside of our strength zone. So I knew I needed someone who could really be the lead storyteller. And so I asked my friend John David Mann, who I'd never actually met in person up till that time, but he was a, a great guy and he was the, the editor-in-chief of a magazine I used to write for. And he used to always take everything I, I submitted for a, you know, for a monthly article and he always made it so much better. And people in the know they knew who John was, that he was a great, great writer. Uh, and so I, I asked, and when I say asked, I mean begged and pleaded John to uh, be the, the lead writer and storyteller. And so he did, and it was a great collaboration. Excellent. And and so one of the things that I really love about how the book is organized is that it's organized around these five laws of what you call stratospheric success. I love that word, stratospheric. So, um you want to you want to talk a little bit about some of the laws um you know the, there's the law of value i know the law of compensation law of influence law of authenticity law of receptivity do you want to tell us a little bit about each of those and then um maybe maybe tell us what your what's your favorite one and why which one do you yeah. think is the most Important. And I, and I think it's important that we that we do go through the laws at least briefly. Although I'll I'll probably spend a little bit more time on the law of value, because that's such a focal point. It's it's really it's the while all the laws are are equally important, the law of value is sort of the foundational principle upon which everything else is is built, and the law of value says that your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value. Then you take in payment. Now, this this sounds rather counterproductive, Susie, when you first hear it, because I mean, I really think about it. How do you give more in value than you take in payment, and and survive in your business and your coaching practice? Never mind thrive in your practice. 
Uh, it sounds like more of a recipe for bankruptcy. You know, give more in value than you take in payment. Sort of a, a, a nicey nice kind of thing that 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 wouldn't really work in the real world. So, so we we need to simply understand the difference between price and value. Price is a dollar amount. It's a dollar figure. It's finite. It it is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea that, that brings with it so much worth, so much value, that someone will willingly exchange their, their money for it and be just ecstatic, glad that they did while you make a very healthy profit. And let me give a, an example I often use, which is outside the coaching profession, and then we'll, we'll take it back into coaching. Uh, you hire uh, an accountant to do your taxes. He charges you $1,000. That's his, that's his fee or his price. But what value does he exchange for that $1,000? Uh, how's he going to give more in value? Well, first, through his, his expertise, his excellence, his attention to detail, he saves you $5,000 in taxes. Uh, he saves you hours and hours of, of time that you, you're not experienced to be doing, or I mean, you might be, but most of us aren't, or would rather not be doing. And he gives you, he, he provides you with the security and the peace of mind of knowing it was done correctly. So we see that unlike price, which again is, is finite, value is both uh, concrete in terms of, you know, the money he saved you, but also it's conceptual in terms of the great feeling of, of peace of mind that you received. And that's probably worth even more than the money to you. So what he did is he gave you well over $5,000 in value in exchange for a $1,000 price. He gave you more in value than he took in payment. So you feel great about it, certainly. And he made a very, very healthy profit. Not only did you both win, but the, the absolute sign of a true free market exchange is that both parties come away from the transaction significantly better off than they were before the transaction. Now, how does this relate to coaching? You charge a certain fee, whatever it is, whether you do it by project or by consult or by hour, uh, you know, that's up to however a person does it. Let's say, uh, let's say, uh, it's an hourly charge, and in the course of a month, uh, or in the course of six months, it's been you know ten thousand dollars, whatever. And again, I'm just taking a figure that this person has has paid you. But if you're a business coach, what have you given them in return that that's more, that's much more in value than the ten thousand they paid? Well, maybe you helped them increase their business by thirty thousand in that time. Maybe you gave them some systems that allowed them to be more functional in their business. Maybe you taught them communication skills that have allowed them to be much more effective in their prospecting. Maybe you have taught, and I could go on and on and on, because whatever it is, you know, different people in, on this call, that whatever their, their particular discipline is in coaching, whether it's business, life, or, or whatever, we all have a, a significant value that we provide that goes well above and beyond what we charge. So you're going to give them much more in value or use value than what you take in payment. The key to this and the way it's done is that it all comes back to focus, as we talked about earlier. You, you need to focus not on the money. The money is important, but that's not where the focus should be. You focus on the value you're providing the other person. See, money is simply an echo of value. It's the thunder to values lightning, which means nothing more than that the value must come first, and the money is simply a direct and natural result of the value you've provided. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that. Money is the echo to the to value. value. Mm -hmm. And which which one's the thunder and which one's the lightning? Say that again. <laughs> yeah, it's the thunder to values lightning because the the lightning hits first and then we hear the thunder. Excellent. I love that. And so we had a question. Well, I think I put, made that opposite. Money is an echo of value because the value comes first. Thunder, it's the thunder to values lightning because the, yeah, because the lightning comes first. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Funny how I say it a, a billion, jillion times and then I, I get confused. I'm with you. I know. So, okay, so Susan <laughs> on Facebook asks, um, you know, with, re with respect to, 
giving why giving is more important than getting and what and this consistent focus on value. Susan asks, what's your take on why this is important now? And hold on, let me find the rest of this. Well, let, can we can we first kind of um look at the premise of the question that the very premise that that I think she said getting is more uh giving is more important than getting? Um that that actually while I appreciate that that actually wouldn't be an accurate statement. Um, getting uh, giving is not more important than getting. Giving is where you focus. Giving and receiving are both important. It's like breathing out and breathing in. One is not more important than the other. We must do both in order to be able to sustain and thrive. The key isn't one being better than the other. The key is, is one being the focus. And when you focus on the giving uh, and allow the receiving, that's when it's all going to come together. That's a great distinction because I think as coaches we're we're often or you know whatever helping profession we're in we're often focused on giving adding value contributing making a difference and I think generally speaking what we're not so great at is the allowing and receiving and and the equal focus on um on, on the flow going both ways. You're you're very correct and what I notice uh anyone in the healing arts uh, coaches have a, a definite challenge with this that, that must be overcome in, well, I say must, I mean, if, if you choose to, uh, but it, it must, in terms of cause and effect, must be overcome if you want to live in prosperity. Because when we really think, if we really think that giving is more important than our receiving, what it means is we're not that important. We're not as important. And, uh, and if we're thinking, that that's what's going to manifest. <laughs> it's going to manifest in results. So that's why what I, uh, you know, what I want you to do as a coach is to understand the you you provide. See, if you understand, if you grasp the value you provide to another person, you're not going to sell yourself short. Can I can I give you an example of of this? And it, it's it's outside the coaching field, but it's one of my favorite stories that I think of every coach. Will will listen to this. I think it will absolutely reset their their thought process about their value. Go for it. Well, a friend of mine, Amy Wells, who's actually now one of my certified Go Giver coaches, but this happened three years ago. I I met Amy, and she's she's now a very dear friend of mine. But I met Amy when I was speaking in um, in San Antonio, Texas. Amy was, and she still is, but but back but she was. Uh, also, the owner of a um, bridal shop. In other words, she she basically sold wedding gowns or wedding dresses. And I, in the first time I heard from Amy after this event was a few months later when she she emailed to relate to me the results of a discovery she made. Really. And what happened was she she listened to this price versus value vignette that I did. I basically did the same one there that I just did on the phone right here. And she said, you know, from now on, she was going to walk in her value. Now, what does this really mean? Well, according to Amy, the the bridal industry, bridal shop industry, is one in which it's very price conscious and, and they're – uh, discounting is a very big thing. In other words, uh, typically a bride-to-be will walk in with her mom, and the first thing they'll want to know is, what kind of discount can we get? Now, this surprised me to learn this. Why? Because I would think for such an important day, uh, price wouldn't really be the issue. It would simply be a matter of you know finding the, the best, uh, finding the, the, uh, the, the dress with the highest value. But here's the thing. The industry trained people, they trained their customers to be price conscious, to ask for discounts. And remember, as business people, as professionals, we, we teach people how to treat us. Okay, and so, so what happens is there, there's a commodity aspect of this. They come in wanting the, the, the cheapest 
address. Now, really, they want one that's going to provide the most value, of course, but their mindset is on price. So Amy said no. From now on, she's going to walk in her value. She went back, and she, she, uh, and she was going to charge full price, but she was going to provide them with even more of a value-based experience than she was. And I know Amy well enough to know she already was. But what she needed to do was to clarify her value. She need to, um, needed to embrace her value, and she needed to be able to communicate that with her team, and she needed to really be able to codify and clarify how this value would affect the prospects and the customers. So she, she went through this. She told her team members, from now on, we're not discounting. We're selling on full price, and we're going to communicate our value. Well, her team members, to say the least, were not were not fired up about this. They were not excited about it. This was way outside their comfort zone. But Amy said, no, no, I believe in this. We're going to do this. So uh, first person comes in, a young bride to be with her mom, and Amy sends one of her team members over to help. She comes back within about two or three minutes, rather upset, visibly shaken. She says, Amy, the, 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 the bride's mother, she is not happy about this. She wants to talk to you. And I guess, you know, the mom was a very strong-willed, very, you know, aggressive person. And so, so Amy went over and asked how she could help. And the, the mom said, Amy, I'm not very happy with you. I expected more from you than this. So Amy looked at her, and you've got to know Amy. And again, I've gotten to know Amy very well now. She's a dear friend of mine. She is about the sweetest, kindest, gentlest, most just wonderful person you could meet. And, and Amy looked at her and said, well, more from, the, more from me than this you expect, and more from me than this you're going to receive. I'm going to give you, she told the mom, 19 years of my experience in this industry. I'm going to give you, and then Amy named a couple of, of other uh, benefits that from Amy's connections, being in the business, the people she knew, what she could bring as far as value. Then Amy turns to the bride and begins to kind of primp the bride momentarily, then turns back to the mom and says, and most of all, I'm going to give you delivery of the perfect dress for the perfect day that your daughter has dreamt about her entire life. Well, the next day, Amy receives an excited call from the bride-to-be who says, Amy, Amy, my, my mother told me that, that not only are we to get the dress from you, but uh, um, instead of paying you the 50% deposit that you asked for, I'm to write you out a check for the full amount. Well, Amy, you know, has turned a potential adversary into an ally, and I believe the reason is is because what that mom who loves her daughter wanted was value, not a low price. She wanted to know that, that Amy had enough confidence in herself and the value she provided to take great care of them on the special day. Now, here's the funny thing. A couple of weeks later, Amy gets a phone call from an exciting young, excited young bride-to-be. She says, Amy, I want, I'm getting married. I want to come in and make an appointment. Amy says, sure, that would be great. How did you hear about me? And she says, oh, my, my aunt told me you're the only one I can talk to about a wedding dress. Oh, well, who is, who's your aunt? And don't you know, it was the mom from a couple of before. So now, not only does Amy have a new ally, she has a personal walking ambassador. Now, here's the thing. Amy said over the next few months, and she began to, again, quote, walk in her value, her store profit went up $10,000 per month. Now, in the years, wow. in the few years, not yet exactly. Now, in the few years since then, it's gone up even more. But here's the thing. Here's a question. Does Amy ever lose business because she won't come down on price? Of course she does. Sometimes she does. But she's attracting the ones that she wants in that store, and she's more than making up for it. Plus, she now works a very strong referral business from all these personal walking ambassadors, and you know that they're telling their, their friends, hey, don't even ask for a discount. You're not going to get one. But what you are going to get is the best, most exceptional buying experience on this special day. Yeah, so and really, that's also the distinction of service, right? Like she's value that she's adding is in the domain of service in addition to the, you know, the great product. Exactly. And, and value can be added many ways. It, it usually comes down to five, what John David Mann and I call elements of value. And those are excellence, consistency, attention, empathy, and appreciation. And when you can display that, and of course, when you can do it in such a way based on what you're doing, that you, can, that you know the way that your, 
your value is affecting your, your prospective customer, now you're in a much better position to sell on value. You see, Susie, and, and you know this, of course, because you're a hugely successful businesswoman and you have been for a long time. When you sell on low, when low price is the issue, when you sell on price, you are a commodity. When you sell on value, you're a resource. And so I want every coach listening to this, you know, I, I, I want you selling on value. I want you going through and really clarifying the value you bring to the table. Not as even as you feel you bring it. I want you to put yourself in the minds of of your 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 customers or your clients. And I want you to go through some of the ones in the past who you've added this unique, wonderful, exceptional value to. How did you do it? What is it that they needed and wanted? How is it that you made their life better, richer, more fulfilling, or whatever it is you do? And that's how you need to position your value to others. Yeah, so even asking them, even going back to your clients and asking them, what value did I provide for you so that you can figure out how to articulate that to others? Well, Richard Wildman, in his great book, uh, The Power of Why, not to be confused with Simon Sinek's great book, Start With Why, this is a book called The Power of Why by Richard Wildman. He goes through, and I just interviewed him on my blog uh, several weeks ago. Uh, you can listen to his, you can listen to that interview if you go to berg.com and then slash blog and just scroll down a few, uh, I think a few weeks back, you'll hear my interview with Richard Wildman. He actually has come up with a, uh, just a very, very unique and systematic way, and as you said, you know, part of it is going back and asking, you know, uh, asking your 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 clients what it is that they. But he's he has done it in such a way that when you do that, you can actually build into all your promotion uh, exactly the value you provide from your client's viewpoint, and that's key. Yeah, that's great, and then. Um, it, one of the one of the quotes that I love from the Go Giver, and I think it falls under the law of compensation, um, and I think this is directly relevant to the work that we do as coaches and healers and business people in general, is that your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So can you tell us a little more about that? Exactly. That is law, too, and that's very, very important. See, law number one, right, says give more in value than you take in payment. Law number two says the more people whose lives you add that kind of exceptional value to, the more money with which you'll be rewarded. Uh, you know, we can take your accountant in the first example who did such a great job giving you more in value than he took in payment. The chances are you feel great about him, you'd do business with him again, and you would uh, refer him to others. Well, his other clients feel the same way. So our accountant is very quickly amassing an army of personal walking ambassadors. And the more people whose lives he, he adds that kind of exceptional value to, the more money with which he'll be rewarded. And it's the same for every coach on this call. Nicole Martin, one of the mentors in the story, tells Joe, the protege, that law number one, as important as it is, that represents only your potential income. But it's not enough to provide exceptional value to just one person or just one client. Uh, your income depends on how many lives you impact with that exceptional value. So we we could almost say that law number one, law number two might say exceptional value plus significant reach equals very high compensation. This is one reason I want all of you to develop a, a referral business because with referrals, it's easier to set the appointment. Uh, you can sell on value rather than price because of the borrowed uh, influence that you have going in. Uh, referred prospects, it's easier to complete the transaction, and referred prospects are already of the mindset that that's how you do business. Uh, so they're much more likely to uh, to refer to you. Yeah, so what was that equation again? Exceptional value plus... Uh, yeah, exceptional value plus significant reach equals very high compensation. Capturing that on our Facebook page here for people. Good. Now, I'm on the Leading okay. Coaches Center page. Is that the one that you're on? Yeah, Leading Coaches Center. Do you see these notes as I'm posting them? No, I don't, and I'm not. Oh, yes, okay, now I do. See, I, you know, it, it's that multitasking thing. I just. I think, I think if you refresh yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> 
If you try yeah, refreshing it, need to refresh yes. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's what I did just now. That's I finally thought of that. My brain finally was able to wrap around that. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so so you had mentioned in the example about Amy, you said that she was a certified go-giver coach. So maybe it would be a good idea um, to take a little break in talking about the laws to to just let people know about your go-giver coaching program because that might be something that folks on this call would be interested in um, adding to their toolkit, if you will. So can you just say a little bit about that? Uh, sure. The uh, What we did is we put together, Kathy Zader, my business partner and myself, put together a uh, certified go-giver coach program where basically what people have is the uh, the right to teach and utilize, coach, speak, what have you, based on all my, for lack of better word, or a lack of a better term, intellectual properties. It's really difficult for me to say that sometimes when speaking about myself, but <laughs> but intellectual properties, and that includes, you know, the the um, the go giver. It talks about endless referrals. It talks about the the powerful persuasion program and so forth. And what we do first, we have a wonderful team of coaches. Many of them are, uh, are some are full time coaches. But and just wanted this as a platform to utilize as well. But others are already very successful business people in other businesses who all, who also wanted to be able to coach. And some of them have used the go giver principles in order to build their own business. So what they wanted to do is become a coach and utilize these same principles to teach others. So we're just delighted to have them. And uh, you know, for anybody who's interested in doing that, you can simply go to my homepage, which again is. Uh, Berg.com, and uh, on the left-hand side, you're going to see like a, a shield, a red shield that says the Go-Giver Certified Coach, and just click on More, and it will take you to a welcome video that will take you through the process to see if it's something that you might uh, like to pursue. Also, Susie, I just, um, on the site, the Leading Coaches Center site, where you put the power of why uh, Richard Wildman, the interview, I just put the actual direct link to the interview in the comment section. So if somebody's interested in seeing that interview, they can scroll down to that, and I've just uh, I've just put that down there. So so I actually, by the way, did multitask. So I hope you're proud of me. Even though multitasking isn't really a good thing, I wanted to make sure everybody got the information. <laughs> That's excellent. So let's just take a little, I want to take a little pause and see what questions are bubbling up for people. And if someone has a question and you want to unmute yourself and ask a question or make a comment, um, go ahead and do that. Or if you don't feel comfortable talking and want to post your question on the Facebook page, we can get to it that way. But um, now's your chance. What do you What do you want to ask Bob? What do you want to know about Bob or the Go-Giver program or the Go-Giver book or Anything that's been talked about so far today? Okay, well, if anyone has any questions during the uh, during our chat, they can certainly uh, ask if they'd like. Yeah. Does anyone have a question or comment at this time? Star six to unmute. Okay, so then let's dive back into the um, the rest of the laws. So, what what comes well, after the law of compensation? Sure. Did someone uh, was did someone say something? I'm not sure if I heard someone. Bob. Yes. Susie, I'm not sure if I'm hearing someone uh, or not. Someone trying to talk. Go ahead. I heard a male voice say, "Bob." If that was you, you may continue. We can hear you. Okay. Well, why don't we continue? And, and uh, if he has a question, feel, please feel free to uh, you know to jump in. Uh, law number three is the law of influence, and the law of influence, Susie, simply says that your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Now again, you know, this is this is counterintuitive. It's uh and, and many of these laws are. Uh, and that's why they need a bit of a deeper explanation sometimes. Uh, hopefully we covered it in the book, but you know, you, you never know. And so, 
uh, here's the interesting thing. We say put, place other people's interests first. It sounds counterproductive. sounds almost Pollyanna-ish when you think of it. But notice the great leaders, the top influencers, the most successful salespeople and money earners. This is just how they conduct their business and how they run their lives. They, they're always placing other people's interests first in terms of looking for ways to add value to them. Now, uh, let me just uh, qualify this for a moment, especially in today's day of political correctness, I think it's important that when we say place other people's interests first, we don't in any way mean to be anybody's doormat or or a martyr or self-sacrificial in any way. Absolutely not at all. Simply that, and we mentioned this earlier, but as, as, as Sam and Ernesto told Joe in the story, the golden rule of business is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you and others than by stepping outside yourself, moving from an I focus or a me focus to an other focus, always looking for ways to make that other person's life better. And, you know, to the, to the point that maybe we say it's the uh, temporarily suspending our self-interest. Now, not foregoing our self-interest. And here's why I say this, and I think this is important. As human beings, we are self-interested creatures. <laughs> to deny it would be to deny reality. Um, and, and thank goodness we're self-interested creatures. That's what allows our body to fight off disease, you know, through antibodies and so forth. Because of that, that's self-interest. It's what allows humans to create other humans through that self-interest, uh, you know, the desire to um, to create. Uh, it's what it's what causes. Uh, it's what allows for technological advances, and especially in a free market type environment where people, based on their own self-interest, whether it's their desire to create or to make more money or to advocate, you know, what have you, they they invent and they they manufacture and they create. So there's nothing wrong with self-interest. The key is not whether we're self-interested. We are. The key is can we suspend that self-interest and genuinely and authentically focus on placing that other person's interests first. As Sam says in the book, can we make the, our victory about their victory? You know, it's, it's like Zig Ziglar always said, you, you can have everything you want in life if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Um, and so that's really what it comes down to. And, and, and it's doing this it's providing value to others, not not in order to get something from it, but because it's just it's just how you are. It's who you are, and it's because it's who you are. It's it's what you do. But you know that as you do this, great things are going to happen. Not because of some woo woo, you know, hopefully this works type of thing. Not one single bit. It's because think about it logically. When you're planting seeds of goodwill, when you're creating value for enough other people on an ongoing, consistent, authentic basis, people feel good about you. People want to be a part of your life. They want to be a part of your business. They want to provide value to you. And, you know, this is, this is really how it happens. So we give without attachment to the results. Now, I, I know some people are going to hear that as giving without expectation. And I, I know what they mean. I understand it. But I think it misses the point a little bit. I don't think we give without expectation because I think that we – we do expect good things to happen. Why shouldn't we live life expecting good things to happen? But we live, we, we give without attachment to it having to happen, either from that source or, or anyone else. And doing so without attachment allows us to genuinely focus on that other person and not worry about ourselves. Yeah, and I like, I like how you put that in the book um, when you talked about that. Bob, because I think you said something like, forget about going for the win-win, right? Go for the other guy's win. Yeah, and it's, you know, and it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because yeah, we do say that in the book, that sometimes people say, uh, you know, it's about win-win when really it's, I just want to make sure I don't lose. So it's, it's not that we don't believe in win-win. Win-win's wonderful, of course. It's, it's the, the highest, but, but it's, it's, it's going beyond that. It, it, it's, it's 
not having an agenda. It's really wanting that other person to win, uh, and 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 you win as well. So and that that's really what it comes down to, as opposed to some people saying win win, but really meaning, nah, okay, well if I have to give them a little bit of a win, okay, but it's me I'm really, you know, thinking about. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and so then what what about the other laws? We've touched on value, sure. compensation, and influence, right? Um, yeah, and, and the next one is authenticity. And the law of authenticity simply says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. And, uh, you know, or, um, later in the story, Deborah, one of the, the characters, she shares that she learned a very important lesson early in her, her business career. And that is that all the skills in the world, the sales skills, technical skills, people skills, as important as they are, and they are, they, they are all very, very important, they're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true, authentic core. Now, when you do, when you show up as yourself consistently, day after day, week after week, month after month, people feel good about you. They're attracted to you. They know you. They like you. They trust you. They respect you. People crave that that sense of integrity in others. And I, and I think Gandhi defined integrity best when he said it's when everything you think and everything you feel and everything you say and everything you do are in alignment it's that it's that congruency and i'm not sure we all ever get there 100% i know i don't but it's certainly something to you know to strive for the key in being ourselves because let's face it the word authenticity is a, a a word that's used an awful lot these days and it almost begins to lose its meaning so you know we look at really what that is see see deborah in the story says you are enough and that's what she she realized that she was enough but what does that really mean see i believe that 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 we as human beings have uh two types of 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 value that we bring to the world one is intrinsic value and that's simply you know just by by being born we bring value to the world but we also have another type of value and i call this market value Market value to me, market value is simply those skills, traits, uh, strengths, characteristics that you bring to the table, when, that you bring to the marketplace that allows you to provide the type of value for which you will be rewarded. Again, just as money is an echo of value. And the, the, the challenge, and I think the reason why many people don't show up as themselves, Susie, is because they really don't have the self-confidence to, to know that they bring great value to the table. That was Deborah's challenge early in the book, and it's a lot of people's challenges. And it's the challenge of people that you all are coaching. <laughs> Sometimes they don't know the kind of value they bring, which, again, is why they're charging too low a price sometimes and still losing business. And maybe it's something that you go through yourself. Susie, I, you know, I know you've mentored and coached a lot of people, certainly, and you may have had this uh, similar experience as this. I, uh, I know I've mentored people, and in conversation, uh, they've told me something they're doing or something they've done, and I said, "Wow, you know, that is that's great. That's awesome. That's terrific." And their their immediate response was, "Oh no, no, everybody knows that, or everybody does that," and they weren't being falsely modest. They really did not grasp, they did not embrace, they did not realize that this skill or talent or trait or characteristic talent, whatever they had, was of high value. Well, why not? Because as human beings, we're all too close. We're all too emotionally involved with ourselves. You know, maybe we've put on that 10,000 hours of practice that Gladwell and Colvin talked about in their books. Maybe we had a, just a natural inclination. Most likely it was a matter of both. But by this time, we know this thing so well <laughs> that we forget, you know, that not everybody does. 
And so, right. you know, as a coach, you need to make sure that you're embracing your own strengths as well as making sure that this other person who you're coaching really understands theirs. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think that's such a key point because we're often quick to say, well, if it's easy for me, right, if it's a strength that I have that I'm not owning or aware of and it just feels easy and I wonder, well, doesn't everybody do that? So, you know, that kind of not owning your strength completely contributes to not owning your value. Um, and I think that I think that they're all really tied in together. I think that, that those are really central and core to, the, to what you describe as the go-giver mentality. I think it's brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, well, thank you. So what about receptivity? What's the law of receptivity? Yeah. The law number five, the law of receptivity. And, and this one simply says that the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. Now, late in the story, the main mentor, Pindar, asks his protege, Joe, to um, breathe out and hold that breath to the count of, 30. Well, Joe tries, but in a very quick period of time, he, he, he runs out of uh, air. He's, you know, he's struggling to breathe. And Pindar says, what's the matter, Joe? Can't do it. And Joe says, no, I can't just breathe out. I've got to breathe in. And Pindar jokingly says, well, Joe, what if I was to tell you it's, it's been medically proven that it's actually healthier to breathe out than it is to breathe in. Well, Joe laughs, of course. He says, that's, that's silly. That's impossible. You, 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 you can't do one or the other. You've got to do both. Well, of course. We breathe out and we breathe in. We breathe out carbon dioxide. We breathe in oxygen. We breathe out, which is giving. We breathe in, which is receiving. I think one big mistake so many of us as human beings make, and again, this is because of the way of the world. It's how you know we've been taught, whether through you know, a combination of upbringing, environment, schooling, tele- uh, news media, television shows, movies, we get all these messages of lack thrown at us through, through the world. I mean, it just, and, and, and there's no, uh, no conspiracy to do this. It's just how it is. And, and so we, we, we tend to think that giving and receiving are opposite concepts. Well, they're not. They're simply two sides of the very same coin, and they work in tandem. Actually, to focus on just one side of the equation while trying to minimize the other is really an exercise in futility because when you think of it, all giving is made possible only because it's also a receiving. All receiving is made possible only because it's also a giving. The key is not to give or receive. That's what John and I call the treacherous dichotomy, the unnecessary use of the word or, you know, a false dilemma. Uh, the, The key is not giving or receiving. It's where your focus lies. So the key is to focus on the giving. And again, when we say giving, we mean giving of value. Focus on the giving and allow the receiving. See, if you've provided immense, exceptional, ongoing, continuous value to the lives of numerous people, you have earned the right, not not the entitlement, the right to receive. What we need to do, though, is to understand that receiving is also very righteous, and we need to resist it. Beautiful. So is it fair to say, then, that if you want more money, right, if you want more money or revenue coming in, you got a couple of ways to go about it. Either you add a lot more value or you add more value to a lot more people. Exactly. That would, that would be perfect, yeah. Yeah, so what if you know that you're adding value, right? You get that feedback from the people you're coaching. You know you're making a difference. You know you're adding value, but you're not seeing it on the revenue side. And nowadays, a lot of when I see that, people blame the economy, right? Like I'm not seeing the revenue. I know I'm adding value, but in this economy, I'm not getting it. I'm not seeing it in my bank account. What do you What do you say to that? Well, remember, there's there's various ways to add value, and if you're adding value in a way that you're adding value to a new client, well, you you have to see the revenue. Um, but if you're you're let's say adding value in ways that you know you're kind of beating around the bush, but never actually asking for the order and actually bringing in new people, well, no, you're going to be adding value 
uh, you're going to be giving value without seeing the, the results. In that case, you're not really being a go-giver. You're just being a giver, and that's nice. But you know, that's but it's not everything. If, uh, if you want to be a go-giver, then you're, you're, you need to follow all five laws. And part of that is you know learning how to be able to complete the transaction. Uh, so it's it, you know it's a matter of providing value in such a way that somebody knows. Uh, in this case, I mean, there's ways that you can. There's times you're going to provide value, and it's never never going to turn into anything, and that's okay too. That's all right. But there's that certain point. You know, you are in business, and what you are doing is you are selling your coaching services, and so um, you need to be adding value to people who are utilizing your services. You can you can provide great value even to people who aren't utilizing your services. That's okay. Um, but you need to, to also be providing value to people who are utilizing your services. And if that's the case, then you do need to be, you, you will, by the very nature of the thing, be receiving. On the other hand, you know, if you, oh, go ahead. Oh, I thought someone said Bob, I'm sorry. Um, on the other hand, if you seem to be doing everything right, you do have these clients, and yet somehow you're finding that fifth law that's still eluding you, then you've got to question whether you might possibly have an unhealthy relationship with money that you need to become conscious of, because often unhealthy relationships with money are, are well stuck in the subconscious below the surface. We're not even aware of them. So you need to first um, decide to become consciously aware that this may be an issue. Then once you are, now you need to, to work on your, your money consciousness. Oh, so that sounds juicy. And here we have only a few minutes left. How do we work on our money consciousness? Okay, there's a few ways, but first I want to refer a book to you that helped me about 30 years ago that, I, that is just, it, it's worth, it's worth, so much. Uh, it was written in 1960. Uh, it's called Psycho-Cybernetics by Dr. Maxwell Maltz. And while the book isn't specifically about that, he shows how the mind works and how it will get us what we believe is the truth. And, 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 and it's, it's just totally run by our unconscious belief systems. Now, the good news is he shows you how to reprogram your mind, reprogram your brain, and have a, have a prosperity consciousness. So I would get that book, the 1960 version, um, uh, although others have, have, have done newer versions, which I'm sure are wonderful, but I, you know, I'm just, I, just, I like the uh, original ones. But uh, Dr. Maxwell Malt, Psycho-Cybernetics, it's a book you'll also start using in coaching your clients, too, because it's such amazing information. Uh, now, so just a few a few hints One, uh, uh, on another as far as how to get that money consciousness. First thing is become aware of it. Uh, unless you're aware of an issue, there's nothing you can ever do about the issue. Once you're aware of it, take small steps. Uh, re, you know, read blogs on prosperity. Uh, get uh, get books and, and, and CDs on prosperity. Learn from prosperous people how to think prosperously. Uh, start. Building on your successes, when somebody gives you a compliment, make sure you say thank you <laughs> as opposed to denying it. You know, When someone wants to uh, pick up the bill for dinner, say thank you and accept it. Uh, make sure you're building and you're, you know, when you want to lift 500 pounds, you don't start at 500 pounds. You start at 10 pounds and work your way to 20 and 30 and 50 and 70, you know, and, and so forth. Build in your small successes. So start to become totally conscious of everything you're doing during the day and allow yourself to keep developing little by little that acceptance of, of money. Start questioning your premises. When you watch a movie, look for all the messages in there, those messages on, on how the rich people are all mean and nasty and cowardly, okay? And how all the good people are always poor but happy. Start noticing that in every movie that you see. And start when you watch the news, start to look at that, okay? And start to question all those false premises and ask, why does that person think that way? Why do they say that? Who taught them that? Why am I believing that? And, and you need to really, you know, do a brain, not a brain wash as much as a brain flush, and then and then start filling up in as you're doing this fill up your mind with all those good materials love it love it thank you that's fabulous okay so 
Um, we're right up against the top of the hour, and I would love to know any final thoughts that you have for folks or anything that you would want to share about um, where they can go. I've, I've been posting the links on the Facebook uh, on the Facebook page, but if you want to just share the link again where they can go to find out more, um, any any final thoughts? Oh, sure. Well, Ber you know, burgberg.com, while they're there, they can, again, they can watch that video. They can check out our Certified Go-Giver Coach program. Uh, they can connect with me on um, on uh, social media and go to my blog and whatever they'd like to do. So come to berg.com and hang out. As far as any final thoughts, I mean, I think really it's it's understanding that, uh, you know, once we have, as, as, as Napoleon Hill talked about in Think and Grow Rich, once we have that definitiveness of purpose, that desire that we know what we want, and we've got to, of course, mix that with faith that we're on the way and a huge belief in what we're doing, I think it's a matter of seeking out and finding the information. Keep learning from people who are where you want to be. Uh, uh, next, it's, it's take action immediately because we know that knowledge without action is the same as not having knowledge at all. And then we also know that it's a, that it's a matter of being persistent. Uh, a couple of friends of mine, uh, Andrea Waltz and Richard Fenton, uh, wrote a great book called Go For No. You can find it at G-O-F-O-R-N-O.com. Uh, go for no, which, which talks about understanding that while yes is the destination, no is how you get there. And don't let that throw you when you get the no's because that's just part of success. In fact, if you're getting no's, you know you're on the right track. The key is to just work your way through those, and, and they actually teach us how to embrace the no's, not just put up with them. So I think really that's what it comes down to. And I see you having me on the call, Susie, and I appreciate being with all of you. Uh, everybody loves Susie. Susie, and, and there's a good reason. You're a great person, and you're always providing value to so many others. Well, thank you, Bob, and I so appreciate you for not only being here, but sharing so much value and wisdom with us today. And I know we only tipped the iceberg, and, and uh, I'd love to, I always love talking to you, but I really appreciate you joining us, and I know that all 89 folks who joined us today also now love Bob as much as they love Susie. So. <laughs> Looking forward to our next conversation. Really appreciate you for being here and for sharing so generously with us. And um, and we will post the recording on the Facebook page, too, for whoever missed it once we've got that. And thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Susie.